and gentlemen, welcome to the PGA DraftCast brought to you by WinDailySports.com. Just a quick reminder that WinDaily Sports doesn't just cover golf. They cover the NFL, the NHL, MLB, NBA, soccer, MMA, NASCAR, you name the sport. WinDaily Sports has projection models, optimizers, articles, and our famous Discord chat to cover it all. Now, if you click the promo link below and you type in Win Big or Green, you will get one week free of WinDaily. And then after that, it is just $5.99 per week for all of that, including some of our betting content. Now, let's get to the PGA DraftCast, where we have proven track records with Joel, Spencer, David, and myself. Let's have some fun. Get in the chat. Make sure you subscribe to the page and make sure you hit the like button. Let's do this snake draft. Let's do the PGA DraftCast. Let's do it right now. PGA Nation. We are back, and we are back for the Wyndham Championship. I'm really overselling it. It's kind of a JV field. It's not the greatest example. <laughs> We're going to have some fun tonight. We still brought in the heavy hitters. Sticks Pitts, you know who he is already. The newly minted hole-in-one as of earlier today, which means he is buying all of us drinks. Congrats, all of you in the audience, too. Nick, how you doing tonight? Dude, I'm, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. I thought a hole-in-one would give me the first pick, but no, you guys drive a hard bargain. So hopefully Spencer and uh, I think you got the second pick, Joel. Uh, don't snipe me here, and I'm excited to draft. I do think this is a pretty good tournament, though. I know the field's a little weaker, but there is a lot of course history and predictability here, so I, th I think it'll be fun. Yeah, I mean, we say on this show all the time, some of these – Weaker field tournaments are sometimes the best for DraftKings purposes because there's more of an edge, right? Everyone knows to go play Scotty Scheffler and Rory McIlroy, right? But here's where you can come and find that bigger edge with some of the less widely known names. So, yeah, how you doing tonight? I I'm just enjoying the chat right now, if I'm being honest. Uh, so, <laughs> It says, feels like a small part of me died after missing last week's draft cast. I missed it last week, too. Uh, and then Jeff, over in the UK, tell us where in the UK you are. He said, he said it's 2 a.m., but I'm peeling my eyes open because I love this show. We got Spilardi, who's going to come out with our, of course, our ownership tomorrow at WindailySports.com. Love the chat. Everybody hit the like button. I'm excited. You know what's funny is last week, I didn't necessarily have the best week, especially on Friday. You know, I had a lot of Straka. I had a lot of Glover. Played that chalk. But I had a lot of Lee Hodges, too. So it's interesting because I did one cash lineup, three out of six. It cashed somehow. And then my four out of six lineups, a lot of them cashed. So I barely lost. And I, I largely played tournaments. So I felt like I kind of escaped uh, with something somehow. And I'm hoping this week um, I can be a little bit more on point with my guys at the top, at least. I love it. Listen, getting out of the week with a W, you take that every time, move on to the next. Uh, Spence, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing well, and I have to say, I think, you know, Sia, you are the king of content here. You knew to give me the number one pick for what this is going to do for the show when I snipe Nick with the very first selection here. We're going to get off to a good start. Yeah, Webb Simpson. Jason On tonight's show, Jason it, almost, it almost feels like getting a snipe is better than getting, like, the actual winner. Like, as long as I stole your guy, I don't care how he performs. As long as I got your guy, I'm happy. That's how I, I mean, I can come in last place. If I can snipe Nick a couple times, I'm good to go. I'm not taking Webb. You, you could have Webb. I will not be taking him, no. Yeah, that's what you, that's what you've told me for two years. And at the end of the day, you always play Webb with me. So uh, you'll want him before this show is done. Well, we are certainly going to have a lot of fun tonight. Going to do our draft as we always do. Before we dive into things, Spence, hit us with the course breakdown. What are you looking for at Sedgefield this week? Yeah, there's a lot of rollover predictability at this course. So it's going to be a little over 7,100 yards, par 70. There's fast Bermuda greens. I would say that the greens here are very typical of what a Donald Ross design would give you with the small surfaces uh, throughout the property. There's going to be a lot of slope to this facility. A lot of that adds into the mix for why we get an increased rate for three percentage on the track. We have eight of the par fours that measure between 400 to 450 yards. That's a very significant rate that explains the 8.2% increase the event experiences with iron shots between 125 to 175 yards. You know, I do think that there are various ways that you can look at this course. Like you can try to find comp courses that stretch under that 7,200 yard mark. Um, you can get an idea of accuracy probably better that way than just looking at a, a total driving metric from any course that's thrown into the mix. But 
I would say because this is a birdie event above anything else, and this is probably a ball striker course above anything else on top of that. Uh, this is a venue that demands, demands excellence in finding fairways off the tee. Um, I think this is a track that just sort of renders an expectation that you would expect when you look into the historical perspective. We see that with players like Webb Simpson continuously producing at this venue. So uh, it's going to be a fun tournament to talk about because I'm not so sure ownership is next necessarily where it should be on some of these players. And, you know, you see some of it overdone. You see some of it underdone. I think there's an edge to be had. And uh, I would say this is more of my standard of event of what I like because we've now lost the, you know, Scotty Schefflers, John Roms, Rory McIlroy's of the world. There's a lot more to dive into here for where I think we can get an edge. Well, we are certainly going to break it down tonight. I'm going to pull up the dashboard and get that started. As we referenced earlier, um, it's going to be Spence, then me, then Nick, and see the audience going forth. As a reminder, this is your typical snake-style draft, like you would any fantasy football draft. <laughs> Spencer, you'll be going first. It looks like your pick may already be in. <laughs> well, you got good a team. lot of, of yeah, left go. I can just get out of here tonight. Consistent. That is a um, great team in 2018. Hey, wait, I, I forget. We, we we talked about Sticks's hole-in-one, right? We, we already talked about that, right? It was mentioned, but hey, I don't think we've heard the last it, yeah. of it for tonight. Just real quick, I, and I also, also <laughs> have a, a question for Spencer about uh, about his course a preview. That, that it's, it's at least an important question to me, and I don't know if it's answerable. So, Spencer, I'm going to put you on the spot with a question that I, I don't know that you can fully answer. But, Sticks... You got a hole-in-one today. Like, literally, it was probably, like, minutes after we confirmed you were on the DraftCast. So I think it's kind of like a PGA DraftCast bump sort of thing. With that said, can you just, like, walk us through it? Maybe give us the 30-second version. Yeah, absolutely. So I was actually pretty pissed going into that hole. I uh, bogeyed a pretty easy par-5, reachable one. Uh, fluffed a wedge on that hole. I, I still don't even want to think about that hole. But, yeah, come up. It's an uphill par three, about 191 yards, I believe, is what the rangefinder said and the scorecard said. So the pin actually played to the number. A uh, tiny bit of wind to, like, 2 o'clock, give or take. So it was either a full six or a soft five. I went with a soft five, hit a little cut, probably about five yards at most left of the flag, started coming in, and like Donald Ross Greens, this was sloped to the back. Took about landed pin high, took about a, you know, a little bit, one, two hops forward and then started coming back down the hole or down the hill and uh, just disappeared. And we all saw it go in. So it was pretty awesome. So by far, you know, the, the coolest moment in golf that I've had. And I play a ton of golf um, always like every day I'm on the course. And like if you hit a good par three shot, you asked for the 30 second show. Sorry about that. Um, no. I, I, there's just so many days I'm like, I just don't think it's ever going to happen. And today it's like, it was the least expected thing ever. And it was sweet. So yeah. <laughs> so everybody, yeah, if you so, haven't already, uh, it's cool. Check out Sticks Picks uh, on Twitter because, I mean, obviously we don't have the video of the shop. But we have the video of him or he has the video of himself kind of picking up the ball uh, outside of the hole with his friends around and whatnot. So go wish him a congratulations on, on that thread and hit the like button and, and all that stuff. Spencer, here's my question for you. I do want to get the draft started. But so we've got like a, a narrative about this course that I think is pretty on point. Like, listen, you want to keep it in the fairway. You, you, you want to be able to get your approach shots, you know, close and, and it becomes a putting fest from there. And I think the narrative is, is like, let's keep it in the fairway. But there's also those guys that are inaccurate, at least, you know, when, when we look at the, the accuracy off the tee, but they're probably going to club down. I'm just wondering when you're looking at that, like, how do you distinguish? Because I like a lot of guys that are, quote, inaccurate, because I think they're probably going to be clubbing down and keeping in the fairway. A lot of those guys have been really hot on approaching with the putter. So I'm just, you know, I don't want to, I don't want people to think, oh, I got to go just with the the super accurate guys because then everybody's going to be doing that. And a lot of those guys are going to crash and burn too. So I'm just curious how you're handling that juxtaposition. I, I think that's a really big mistake everybody's going to make this week by just taking the broad sense of that answer of accuracy, finding the most accurate golfers and moving forward with this. Like this is not the same venue as your 7,600 yard track where somebody can bomb it off the tee and, you know, like you might miss a fairway, but it's not as big of a problem. Like we want players that are going to find it in the fairway, but there's a difference here when everybody is clubbing down and, and players are landing into the same spot. So one of the things I did in my model, just to give a very quick answer to that is I did look at comp courses that were under 7,200 yards 
that my model deemed to be a club down venue. So I took strokes gain off the tee at each one of those tracks, added it all together, put it into my model. So there are certain golfers that are not, you know, quote unquote, accurate golfers off the tee that all of a sudden at this sort of a specific venue did see a massive increase in projection for me. And, and I think that's kind of the one big key to this event that I like a lot when I was talking about there being an edge is everybody's going to take that simplistic answer of this guy is accurate or this guy is not accurate, build a model that way where I don't think it matters, you know, technically how accurate or inaccurate you are. I think it matters of how accurate or inaccurate you are on a specific venue that mimics the one that we have on hand. So anything that's shorter, anything that demands what we're asking for this week. And I mean, there's a lot of players that we'll talk about. And as names come up, I'll, I'll mention if they were big climbers or big followers in my model for that sort of a venue that we have this event. I love that. Okay. I think that's a really important answer uh, for this particular tournament. Because again, there's a lot of guys that you're going to see if you're looking at metrics, for example, and you're gonna be like, ah, that guy's, he's wild off the tee. And it's like, well, there's a lot of guys who have really good history here who are traditionally somewhat wild off the tee you got to keep that stuff in mind so spencer you've already made your pick webb simpson so joel i guess it's already on you uh the, oh wait a minute oh this must be some sort of joke uh spencer i guess you still have license to make a pick so as much as i'd love to take webb simpson here and go that route i can always get him in the second round since nick told me he's not going to take him so he's a man of his word i know he's not going to lie to me can uh, i guess I, who you're taking yeah i mean you're going to guess it right it's Cam Davis. No. Oh, okay. Never mind. I, I don't think I'm sniping this from you technically, but this is my version of Webb Simpson that I refuse to go on a show with you and not make the selection number one overall. I am taking Alex Noren with the first pick. <laughs> and there are some realistic reasons why I'm giving this answer rather than trying to be funny about it. Like I, I wouldn't make a pick on here if I was just doing it for the joke of it. Um, Noren's statistical profile is really intriguing and, I know this is a tough sell for when Nick and I this entire season have told Alex Noren at this event, Alex Noren at that event, and it hasn't necessarily come to fruition the way that we would like it to. But I think there's a big difference in projected win rates or safety when we're looking at Noren at 300 to one at the Masters or when we're looking at him here at 80 to one in a much weaker field. So, um, you know, if you look at what he's done recently, three top 23 finishes over his past four starts. And then all of a sudden we get this data return that is really starting to click for him at a venue that should at least accentuate that high in nature that placed him third in my model from 125 to 175 yards. Uh, that's that 8.2% increase that I was talking about. He ended up being the first place grade in my model when taking this pitch and putt contest sort of thing. So 125 to 175 yards, how likely are you to put it close? And then how likely are you to make the putt? I don't think this is like the Alex Noren answer that Nick and I have given a million times to where he's 33rd in both of our models. He's, you know, in the mid 6,000s and we think we're getting value at the price. Like I think as a low $7,000 golfer, he should be a mid $8,000 golfer in this field. That's not being priced accordingly because of what he's done this season. And I think there's a lot of upside that can be had here. And just as one last note, before we move on to Joel's pick, the other answer that everybody would say is that he doesn't make enough birdies to succeed at a birdie fest. I think any time that you get these club down venues or any single time that you get these venues where it's an easier scoring venue to begin with, he's a 97 spot increase in my model and projected birdie rate on this specific course. Then he would get on a generic venue on tour. I think this is the perfect venue for him to find success if he's going to do it. Obviously, he has a lot to play for for the FedEx Cup playoffs. I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing. You can make an argument either way with that. I don't think that you should be rostering or not rostering players because of that, but I think he's going to bring the best version of what he's had this season to this event. And he's been pretty good lately, like three out of his last four. He's been inside the top 25. One of those has been a top 10. Uh, one of them has been a, a top 15. There's a miscut in there as well, but you know, it's funny because I was undecided on Alex Norn. You know, I think in that 7K range, and we'll find out real quick, between like 7K and 7,500, like a lot of us are going to like a lot of guys, which is kind of cool, right? Because I don't think there's going to be anybody necessarily super chalky since there's so, so many guys. But I think you're right when it comes to his price. I think you could put him at like 70. I know you said mid 8K range, but I think you could put him at like 7,800 and be like, all right, I, I guess that makes sense. Norn's, you know, been been pretty good lately. It certainly hasn't been good on the season, but... 
Uh, yes, yeah, Sticks, before we get to Joel's pick, I mean, it sounds like the Better Golf Pod, which you can catch in your feed. If it's not there already, it'll be there within, what, the next hour or so, or is it already in people's feed, guys? No, we're gonna we're pushing it to tomorrow to wait oh. for uh, underdog slates to open up. Source oh, subject, right. but it'll it'll be tomorrow. Yep. Okay, better golf pod. Make sure you subscribe to that to that podcast. But it sounds like BGP has been all over Alex Norn stick. So are you supporting the Alex Norn pick here at the Wyndham Championship? Uh, oh, tension. I, I I like it. I think he probably could have got him in. The last round, I don't think anybody was going to take Norn here, unless you yeah, guys think yeah, so. So yeah. I, it's like, what did you, what did you, you know, give a give up to take Norn? I, I don't love it, but I'm okay with it. So this he is, is one fun. of my favorite guys in that range. Like I'd much rather have him than Kevin Streelman or Hoygaard's probably going to have a ton of ownership. So to get like a five percent ish, Alex Norn, I'm okay with it, but didn't think you need to start the uh, the snake draft with Alex Norn, in my opinion. I mean, this would be the tournament to do that, though, because I, I think at the top, and I'm kind of speaking to my teammates here, the audience, I think at the top, it's pretty fragile. There's only a couple of guys I'd even really consider. So um, I think that's why you could probably just take Alex Norton now. But Joel, it's finally your pick. We'll try to pick up the pace a little bit for everybody that's watching. We'll rattle off some picks here. Joel, who are you going with? Well, I actually just changed my pick. Thanks to Sticks. Thanks to Don't. the information you've provided. Um <laughs> I was going, I was planning to take Cameron Davis, not first. Now that you've mentioned him already, I figure I better get him now before he goes. So, <laughs> he, was, he was going 1 3. Cameron Table talk Davis. backfires. Um, the reason for it is we've seen it, we've said this on the show often. He does really well on these types of courses where he has to club down, take his driver out, be more strategic. This is like the, the type of setup that he excels. And put on top of that, he's playing good golf. The last couple of weeks, he's been in really good form. He's got you a, a bunch of top 10s already this season. At 8,800, at ownership better than the guys surrounding him, I think Gimme Davis is a really good pick this week. Yeah, you know, I, Spencer, I want to kick this to you before we get Nick's pick because – I seem to recall looking at Cameron, and I don't know that this matters when we're talking about Cameron Davis, but looking at his metrics as of late and just not being super impressed. Uh, again, it's Cameron Davis. This does seem like a pretty good track for him, and he's a talented player like relative to the rest of this field. Are you in or out on Cameron Davis? I am in on Cameron Davis for the reasons that Joel mentioned of this being a club down spot for him, and you can even see that in my model of where – he sees this massive increase in projected strokes gained off the tee. I know he has the distance and that's like where that kind of creates this weird situation for everybody that they think he's a bomber and he is a bomber, but he's actually better when you remove that club and you tell him he can't hit it for whatever reason that is the way to proximity numbers always look good. Um, he actually was the number one player in my model when I ran this for safety. And I think that that's a really interesting answer for a golfer that's, 10%, 11% owned right now. Like that's not a ton of ownership around him. So I, I like the pick, Joel. Yeah, and, I, and I'll correct myself a little bit. He hasn't been bad over the last few tournaments. His, his approach play has been really good. I mean, a, a couple spots where it wasn't great, but he's popped on approach. The putter has been okay. It's been kind of on and off, but you could say that about probably 80% of the field. But ball striking wise, he's gaining basically four out of the last four. One was negative 0.01. So yeah, Cameron Davis in good form. All right, Nick. We finally get to you. You're our special oh. guest, but you're really just a win daily guy. So I don't even know if we can count you as a guest, but you seem to be laboring now. You've taken over the Spencer role because you're like squirming in your seat and you've got this all shucks look on your face like somebody just took your guy because somebody yeah. just took your guy. So who is I your guy it was now? Be Spencer. This is historically where I convince Nick to take Webb Simpson on Better Golf Pod. Not happening. I'm going to, man, I really, really, really wanted Cam Davis. Everything about, well, I mean, Spencer and I have been talking about Cam Davis on club down spots forever, and he finally just peaked at every single part of his game at the 3M. I'm just going to take the punt. Give me Hideki. Oh, wow. Hideki, explain yep. yourself. Just best player in the field. I'll take him. <laughs> That's fair. I mean, you know what's funny about Hideki? Like, when I look at his, like, last, like, if you if you would if you were to ask me like okay how's Decky looking last twenty four rounds which is a short sample size mind you but I think most people would be like probably pretty bad last twenty four weighted tee to green I have him number one in this field so I mean I I don't and, and by the way weighted approach I have him number two last twenty four rounds so I don't really like Decky this week for some reason but I the the metrics support that what Nick said is right he's the best 
person in this field. So Joel, while we're taking audience nominations, I got to ask you, because that, that 10K and above range, I'm just not that huge a fan of, but I, I mean, I, I don't have a huge argument against Decky. What about you though? So I'll start by saying, you know me, I love Decky and I like him this week. I agree with you though, Sia, in that my strategy this week is that I don't feel like I need to go up to that range. I think I can be more balanced staying 8K and not having to dive too low. So if I am building lineups where I'm going on more stars and scrubs approach, Decky will probably be the first guy in that top tier I'll go to. But in my more balanced lineups, obviously it, it wouldn't work. All right. Well, we have some nominations that are in. Can somebody confirm whether we have an actual confirmation on any of these guys? It looks like maybe Henley would have gotten ratified. Looks like looks like Russ is definitely the the leading. Yeah. And for those of you that are new, um, to get somebody ratified, you just have have to have two nominations. So Russell Henley definitely. Nick is right. Uh, Jack Fisher and Danny DGCB28. Very catchy, Danny. Impressive. Uh, they have nominated Russell Henley. Who is the second one in? Can anybody confirm? I don't know that we have a second one in. Looks like Henley and Hadwin. Okay. Um, uh, questionable. All right, but we'll take Henley and Hadwin. I guess those are our two guys. Um, Henley makes sense. I mean, I'm not going to argue against Henley. I'm trying to let, let me take a look at his own. Do you guys know where he's looking at from an ownership standpoint? Yeah, that's high. So you guys, we're we're just kind of doing the chalky like standard thing here, which is fine. I don't I don't have a problem with Henley uh, Hadwin. I, I want to get your opinions across the board on Hadwin. Just real quick stuff, um, Spencer. I'm going to start with you. Yes or no on Hadwin? I am in on Hadwin. I I think that when you look at some of his metrics, um, they are a much better course fit here than the back to back miscuts that we've gotten. I think this is a nice buy low spot for him. Yeah, 10% ownership offsets Hentley at least a little bit. Joel, uh, in or out on Adam Hadwin? I'm in mainly price tag and ownership for his upside is, I think, a really good formula. Nick, is it three for three or two for three? Absolutely. Yeah, I, uh, I love him on Bermuda. He grades damn near just right next to Sam Burns on Bermuda putting for me, too. Just hope those irons and that ball striking comes to play. He should be a good spot. 8K for Adam Hadwin. Uh, Henley is just so damn expensive. Could you ever imagine paying 10K for Henley? <laughs> Yeah, it's it's pretty crazy. And he's popular too, but I mean, you know, listen, he grades out well. He's safe. He's yeah, safe. he's pretty he feels pretty safe to me. But is that how you want to play your your tourney team? That that's a sort of a separate question. But I don't mind Henley, I'll have him in some lineups. So I mean I'm I'm not trying to be overly critical here. All right, Nick. You got Hideki Matsuyama and who's next? All right, I'm taking a page out of Spencer's book. If we got to go ugly early, I'm going with Thomas Dietrich. I love that pick so much. So speaking of like, sorry to cut you off, Nick. It sounded like you, you were, you were stopping oh, there anyway, but so this is one of those guys and Spencer, I'm going to go to you here because this is one of those guys where if you look at his metrics, well, he's not accurate off the tee. So like, okay, I guess he's out, but I assume, and maybe you could explain this better, like, or maybe you have more Intel than I do. You know, it's not like Thomas Dietrich and his caddy like go to the course and they say to themselves, oh, I, I guess we're screwed because you need accuracy. You need to be in the fairway here. Like, obviously, they're, they're, they're talking strategy. I got to think Dietrich like knows to keep it in the fairway. And the thing about Dietrich, and I'm not a Dietrich guy, like I've never drafted Dietrich on this show, but his approach play and his putting have been very, very good. So if he keeps it in the fairway and if his approach and, and putting are really good and, I, you know, I'm, I'm trying to eye his ownership here, I can't imagine he has a ton of ownership. And, you know, it's it's less than 10%. It's creeping up there a little bit. But I, I think this is a tremendous value with, with the – listen, it's not safe necessarily, but the upside seems to be there. So, Spencer, what say you on that? I think this is a very similar answer that I gave with Alex Norn. It's, it's a little bit different with more of the inaccuracy that he has off the tee, but he's good historically at these shorter venues where he does club down. Um, the putter is great for him. The weighted proximity is, is really what you want to see. I, I think he's a good pick. Like he's going to be sub three, four, 5%, depending on exactly where yep. he comes in. Um, I'm always one of the proponents, like you said, see that you don't take Dietrich. Well, I take Dietrich every single show mm. here. Um, I probably would have taken him this week if he would have fallen to me at some point. So I, I like the pick. Yeah. And I'll, I'll have my, just FYI, I'll have my outrights in, in the wind daily sports uh, discord and and i've got five one's kind of a long shot at 80 to one but the furthest one other than that 80 to one long shot is thomas dietrich at 60 to one so i mean i do think uh the, the other three are like a little bit safer than dietrich but but i do think dietrich offers some uh some some pop potential especially with how fragile it is at the top of this field um joel it's your pick so real quick in or out on dietrich and who is your second guy in after cameron davis 
So I am actually not in on Dietrich this week. So I'm a little bit different from you guys. Mainly just because there's other guys in that general vicinity that, that I prefer. Um, and then as I mentioned who are, before. Who are those? Uh, if, if you don't mind me asking, who are those guys? Because well, I'm looking at it like everybody's going to go to Harris English, Eric Cole, and Billy Horschel. And I think Dietrich has much more you know, top 10 upside if that's what we're looking for at that price than any of those guys. So Sticks, appreciate your question. Hold that thought. For okay, cool. 25 minutes from now. <laughs> I, I don't know the rules. Yeah, I don't know the rules. <laughs> you know, I don't want to make the same mistake you made and give you my pick one that I will But Fair. we will get back to that. Um, and actually, I literally am changing the pick right now because you just mentioned one of the guys that I thought would have been around later that apparently won't be because of your mention. So I'm going to go ahead and take Billy Horschel. Um, and my explanation behind it is I like Billy Horschel because I was playing him a lot last week in showdown. He's playing better. He's been pretty bad this year, but he's playing better. As your game is on the rise, there's no better spot to get to than a course where you've had a good history, a course that you like. And his one big glaring weakness right now is his approach play. It just hasn't been very good. This is the course to get that right, right? It's not the most challenging course for approach play. If he's going to hit the driver well, be good on the putting greens, and get a little bit of leniency on the approach play, this is a spot for him to get right. Fair enough. I, I don't I don't hate that. I'm not going to play Billy Horschel, um, but I, I get the logic, and obviously the history here is, is pretty solid. All right, Spencer, you got back-to-back picks, but let us know on, on Billy Ho. Uh, by the way, Sticks, you can't be on Billy Ho. I know you're, you're not a big fan of him in general, but is it a no on Billy Ho for the Wyndham Championship? Classic. What a rookie. Can you believe this guy? Gets a whole yeah. amount of things. He can do whatever he wants. Well, I've been I've been having cocktails for the whole <laughs> one. No, I, I uh I think the ball striking is all over the place. Um, I do respect the course history, but I think his ownership's gonna creep up to 15% just because everybody got to see him on TV Sunday. So that's you know, I, I think Dietrich's ball striking is in a much better spot. His accuracy has actually been solid lately, and again, the club down thing. I would just much rather pivot to a five to six percent owned Thomas Dietrich. Uh, Spencer, Billy Ho, yes or no? And who are your back-to-back picks? I mean, I think if directly comparing Horschel to Dietrich, that makes sense. But I am going to play Horschel this week if if this stays sub-15%. I actually think he's a good play in this tournament. All right, fair enough. All right, I am going to once again go down this board with my next pick. And I am going to take Ben Griffin at 7,200. I don't know how much money I'm going to have when this is all said and done. Probably thousands of dollars, but... <laughs> Uh, that is okay. Griffin has a very similar trajectory that we were just talking about with Alex Noren, where three made cuts in his last four, uh, all three of those finishes that made the cut landed inside the top 33. I don't know if I necessarily think he's going to win the event. Like I have an outright ticket on him at 90 to one that I thought was a very enticing price, but you know, between the weighted putting and the Donald Ross courses and his top five that he had at this venue last year, and just historically how he's produced at some of these shorter venues in the past. Like those are all top 10 grades for me in my model and, or top 15 grades for me in my model. And I I think this is one of those spots where the ownership is starting to move up. I'd like to say that, I mean, he was the number one player for me in my model this week. That's not from an upside answer. Like I think for upside, obviously things shift there, but there were so many safety metrics that I had that pushed them up the board where some of these other guys were so boom or bust in different iterations of how I ran the sheet. You could say that the weight of proximity for Griffin is something that you would, could worry about. And sure, I, I would say that that's fair, but I think this shorter track actually helps them with that. Yeah, I mean, Griffin's gained on approach nine in a row. He's I, he, It seems like he's sort of found something. The putter's there, the history's there. Uh, I, I get that. I mean, the only the only thing I'd caution people with is there's only so many guys that are going to carry some ownership. I mean, we'll talk about them later in in that seven to 7,500 range. There's going to be like probably five that are in that sort of like six to 11% range. I would just be careful of that because I just think there's so many like, like obvious, like decent pivots that could do just as well, if not better. So uh, my, my whole point on Griffin is just keep an eye on the ownership. I'm not saying don't play him. And for the record, you can still play him if he's like eight or 9%. I, I just, I just want people to know that there's so many people in that range. So if somebody like really creeps up in that low 7K range, I, I just would probably find a reason to go somewhere else. All right, you got to go somewhere else too, Spencer. Who's next? I thought the two players in the low $8,000 range that were probably the two most mispriced options were Adam Hadwin and Chris Kirk. 
I'm going to take Chris Kirk this week. He's number one in my model in weighted par four scoring from 400 to 450 yards. I talked about how eight of those holes this week will land within that distance. Um, I think you kind of get a very similar rebate in the price with him missing his last cut uh, of the last tournament that he played. But I, I think this is an opportunity for him at a course that he should like at a venue where anytime you get these club down spots, like I kind of think of the Sony open maybe as one of those courses where you need to be good off the tee and accurate off the tee here. So um, I, I like Chris Kirk a lot for the price. Joel, um, I want to get to the chat in a second because the chat is unbelievable. You guys are hilarious. I, I love every single one of you. Uh, Joel, are you in or out on Chris Kirk? Cause, Cause just let me preface that question by saying I personally haven't decided usually when I'm, not sure about Chris Kirk. It usually means I end up being out on Chris Kirk. So I'm just curious where you stand and then sticks. Same thing for you. I like Chris Kirk. I think he's a underpriced in this field. Sticks. I love him, but man, if you look around the betting market right now, he is a dog in every single matchup against people that, you know, JJ spawns a big favor to him. So that's a little alarming. Cause I do kind of factor that in for me, you know, trust bookmakers. If, if it's a bookmaker that, you know, you value, but, other than that, he checks every single box for me. So it's uh, I'm kind of on the fence right now. But if I had to, it's usually going to be in favor of Chris Kirk. Absolutely. Those types of conversations in terms of the betting market and, and how that influences your DFS uh, decisions, you specifically, Nick and Spencer, that's the type of stuff we can hear on Better Golf Pod, correct? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, we go into that in great detail. I love that. Love that. Love that podcast. Everybody, please check it out. Uh, Joel. You got Cam Davis or Cameron Davis, uh, Billy Horschel, and who is next? All right. I'm diving in here. I'm going to get pretty chalky. I think this is a guy that's a really good course fit. I think he easily could have been another $1,000 in this field. So I love the price on Denny McCarthy. Uh, I think people might be – I think he's going to be chalky. So I don't think you're going to get an ownership benefit. But my thought is, you know, he wasn't great at the open. He missed the cut. Maybe people are going to start coming off of him. If you just give him a pass there, maybe even the last two weeks, he's been great this season for an extended period of time. I think he's going to get back into that good form we've seen before the Open. Yeah, I agree. I mean, he's going to be popular. He's he's going to be the, the highest owned guy in the 8K range, probably in that 18 to 20% range, I'm guessing, because he is really underpriced. And again, I'm not saying you shouldn't play Denny McCarthy. I'm just arming you with the information that he, he's definitely going to be chalky, but uh, it's hard to say no, Spencer, to Denny McCarthy. I'm curious what your model is saying, though. Are, are you in on Denny or no? I don't love the ownership around him. It doesn't mean that I'm out right now. Like, I have him as the second highest owned player, and I have him – I'd be curious to hear what Nick has him at, but I have him at about 24%. Yeah, that's pretty high. Okay. Uh, Sticks, are you yeah. looking at the same stuff? Yeah, 22 is what I got. Yeah, that's – yeah, I mean, it's – and I don't know, maybe maybe people He's will jump safe, off of him because they're He's seeing safe. that ownership this early. Yeah. Does does seem safe, absolutely. Um, and if you think he's gonna win, like you you kind of gotta play, you gotta play him if you think he's gonna win. Um, with that said, uh, real quick on the chat, I mean, you guys, uh, DT and Phoenix, otherwise known as Dave, uh, I, you know, I there's no context for this. I just want to read the comment because there was context, you know, before the semi-pro stuff. Yeah, he says, We filled a need, nothing personal, we needed clean clothes. Uh just <laughs> Just classic, just great stuff. Uh, DT and Phoenix was was uh, watching a, a a different show that, of mine, the Early Wedge, uh, this afternoon at, at three o'clock, and he got Coach fired up. It, well, he didn't really get him fired up, but he got Coach fired up. Do you guys want Coach to stop by this show? He yeah. doesn't really he doesn't I really do DFS, I, but he should stop by this. He'll stop by the show. What do you think, audience? I think he's a good listen. Yes, he's a great listen. God, great listen, great guy. Doesn't do DFS, but he does golf. So. Uh, he'll maybe maybe I'll have him just like stop by in the middle of a show and, and surprise everybody. So that'd be cool. All right. Speaking of surprises, uh, Hideki Matsuyama was a slight surprise to me. Thomas Dietrich, not a surprise to me. Nick, who's the third? I mean, th there's plenty of upside in your first two picks. Is is that where we're trending? Who's next? Yep, we're going more upside. Um, other than the last two weeks, I have loved what I've seen with the new putter from Mister Siwoo Kim, course history himself. One of the most elite ball strikers in this field, which isn't saying a whole lot. But again, just going to the betting market, yeah. he's a 10-point dog to Russell Henley, who's 1,200, you know, I think 1,200. Yeah, 1,200 more expensive in, on drafting. So, yeah, I'm going to take Siwoo all day long there. Yeah, another another guy that seems pretty safe. Uh, Joel, he'll, he'll be we, popular, no yeah. doubt. 
he will be popular. Joel, uh, in or out on Siwoo? In. I like Siwoo a lot. Similar reasons as Denny. I think from a talent perspective, from the price where he's at, you know, I'd rather play guys like Denny and Siwoo than pay up for the Henleys and, and the Deckies and be just more balanced that way. So Siwoo definitely fits that profile this week. Speaking of balance, Spencer, before I get your answer on Siwoo, if you're playing a cash game, don't you just start with, I mean, you can do it with like, you can start with Henley or somebody up there if you want, but don't you just start with Siwoo and work down and have this like super balanced cash game lineup? Like, wouldn't that be the way to go? Spencer, any thoughts there? This might be a controversial take from the answer that I just gave, but I think if I was starting a cash game lineup, I would rather start with McCarthy over Siwoo Kim. Fair enough, but but the point is still the same, right? Because you could start with Siwoo at nine thousand, yeah. go to McCarthy at eighty seven hundred. I mean, you're just you're left with a ton of money to just like swing at, at some of those like what 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 people will perceive to be safe guys in that low mid eight k high seven k range, right? I think in general, just for if you look at even if we're not talking cash game builds here, and this probably maybe gives away too much strategy on my part, but I think there's a lot of value to be had in that range to begin with. Um, which is what makes this board difficult because I think Sia, you and I seem to be on the same wavelength here to where there may be some overpriced options near the very top or towards that range, whichever, wherever you want to cut that off. So um, I, I don't, without naming players. Yes. I mean, I think there's a lot of names in that section. All right. Speaking of naming players, uh, we have our two guys and I like both of these. Um, so it's interesting. It's, it's Adam Shank and it's JT Poston, right? Did I get that right? It looks like uh, Model Maniac has confirmed back nine bets, otherwise known as Byron, who did you just ride your bike for like a week? I, tell us how many miles you rode your bike. I, I, I didn't get the details. I just know you went on like a crazy, crazy uh, journey. Uh, Adam Shank, I really love in spite of the fact everybody should know this. His history here is really bad. But his upside just seems so good. I, I, I got to think that the way he's been playing lately, by the way, the last seven tournaments include three missed cuts and four top seven finishes or better. Like this is like your classic tournament guy that, could, that has a ton of upside. The metrics are speaking to me. Approach, tee to green, putter, everything. Nick, what do you have to say? Is, is it an Adam Shank addition, I hope? Yeah, this was my next pick. It didn't didn't yes. happen that way. But yeah, I mean, just looking at Adam Shank, 14th in ball striking, 13th in, in accuracy at the Schwab, 8th in ball striking at the Memorial. The accuracy is good in all these. U.S. Open, he was terrible in round one, but lit it up in round two. 10th in ball striking there. Travelers is kind of just, you know, whatever. He was playing a lot of golf in, in a, I think, every weekend in a row there. And then the Rocket Mortgage, 7th in ball striking, top 20 in accuracy, and the John Deere, 13th in ball striking. Give him a pass at the Open Championship his first time over there at that major. So, yeah, I mean, for a guy that's going to be 2 to 3% owned, I think, you know, when everybody else is going up to in that range that looks like Brendan Todd and Kevin Streelman again and probably Garrick Higo riding that, which I'm okay with Higo. Well, we'll talk about that later. But, yeah, Adam Shank, I love that pick for the audience. Yeah, remember when I said I had Dietrich at 60 to 1 and then there's a long shot play I had at 80 to 1? It's Adam love Shank. That. FYI. Uh, and just uh, just just love him again. The history here is bad, so it could crash and burn, but I'm really looking for the upside, and that's what I think Shank has to offer. Poston, like upside, yeah, he won here before, obviously. Uh, and and I, I just mentioned the, the stat on Shank over his last seven tournaments, four inside the seventh or better. Well, look at what Poston's done over his last four. Six, six, 41st, and second. Like, the guy's on fire, and I don't think this is a terrible course fit. So let's do a quick yes or no, Joel. I'm going to start with you before we get to Nick's uh, fourth pick. Joel, yes or no, and just go Adam Shank and JT Poston. Yes to Poston. Yes to Shank. Spencer? So I, I don't think Adam Shank is going to be 2% owned. I think he's going to be popular. Yeah, he's going like, to I, I think he's going to be like 10% plus. That would be my guess Whoa. in the situation. But um, – I'm out on Adam Shank. I think he's way too volatile. Uh, JT Poston was going to be my next pick. Yeah, I mean, he's certainly volatile. He misses cuts at the same rate that he, he top sevens. But um, again, I, I think he grades out really well, too, with the putter, with the decent, with the accuracy, the approach, all of those things. So uh, we'll see. I think he's going to be one of those uh, where everybody's going to keep an eye on. All right, Nick, you've got a great starting three. Uh, how are you going to screw it up? I uh, Yeah, I'm in a blender right now. This is tough. Eve six reference. Hard in a blender. <laughs> Anybody? Band. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, while we're waiting, uh, so uh, Byron, 500 yeah, give miles me a second. through the cornfields of Iowa. Hashtag ragbri. I don't know what that hashtag means. He says it was so hot. 
Uh, so anyway, congratulations to Byron for 500 miles. Sounds like uh, a lot to be on a bike, but whatever. All right, Nick, you ready yet? Still no? Do we have a, <sighs> no, do we have a Spencer squirming situation here? <laughs> yeah, this isn't good. Uh, I'm going to punt. Give me Brendan Todd. Mm, all right. I don't hate Brendan Todd. I, I kind of like him in a matchup against Gary Woodland, uh, minus 120. I think that's over on DraftKings. But that's more of a fade on Gary Woodland and his putter than it is uh, anything yeah. else. Uh, any commentary on Todd, Nick? I mean, obviously, like the, the recent form, last couple tournaments, it's decent. Of course, fit, decent. If not it, good. My numbers, my numbers like him a lot. I have him proper at 39 to 1, which blows my mind. So I'm just going to take that uh, implied probability that I have. Don't like it, though. I think he's going to be popular. He's just a cut maker. So, again, I'm hoping Dietrich comes in low-owned, and we'll get weird here with these last two picks. But I was uh, banking on Shank to be my guy here, and so I'm just going to go in that same price range, take the chalk and Brendan Todd and hate my wife. Spencer, before we get to Joel's pick, um, Brendan Todd, yes or no? From a DFS answer, I don't know. Um, there's a lot of ownership. From the matchup that you just said, Sia, I, I like that matchup. Mm -hmm. I think that's a very good bet to consider because I'm also out on Gary Woodland this week. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. Yeah. I think that's where I'm going to play Brendan Todd in that matchup department against Gary Woodland. I don't think I'm going to end up playing him. And it's not because I want to fade him necessarily. It's just because in that, like I said, in that seven flat 7K to 7,500 range, there's so many guys I like. And, and Brendan Todd just wasn't one of the guys that really flashed for me. So that's why it's a, it's a no there. Joel, um, Brendan Todd, yes or no, and who's your next pick? I'm going to say yes to Brendan Todd. And now I'm strategically making my pick, looking at Spencer and who he might be taking and trying to make sure I get that guy first before I get back to you for my next pick. Love it's it. between two guys. And it's interesting. I've never seen Spencer draft this guy before, I don't think. But I still think this is the guy he might take. So I'm going to go ahead and take Shane Lowry. Ooh, interesting. I didn't, I didn't see that coming. Go ahead. My thought process for Lowry, listen, fully transparency, some of the guys in that upper 9K range that I wanted had already been taken. Then guys like Poston, Siwoo, I was looking at, they're gone. Um, so Lowry has still been playing well. If you saw, he's been, his putter, his short game has been improved. He has a hot week with the short game and, and strikes the ball well. He can go out and win this tournament. And for the talent of golfer he is, to be 9,500, 1,000 less than, you know, Henley and, and Matsuyama, I think it's still a very good value for him. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I, you know, ownership has to go somewhere. I'm actually surprised that I'm seeing him at around 20%. Spencer, is that what you're seeing as well? Because I, I honestly, I thought he would have been like 15, 16%. I have him, I have him like half of that. I have him at 11. Oh, so, Nick, what about you? 15, but still for the price, everything that Joel said, so I'm stamping that one. I love that pick. Fair enough. Okay, so Spencer, you got back-to-back -back picks, but I do want to remind everybody two things. One, hit the like button, please. And two, Spilardi, who's in the chat, um, Sicily Kid with Wind Daily Sports, he's going to have the ownership article, which is super on point. And it's not just an ownership article, by the way. He puts picks out there, too, which are just really, really good. But anyway, that comes out tomorrow early afternoon, or I should say late afternoon. So we'll have sort of uh, figured out like the Shane Lowry ownership and, and some of these other guys. Cause right now we're not working off wind daily numbers. We're kind of working off our own numbers. And then the wind daily numbers are at least the ones I lean on once they come out. So uh, Spencer, you've got Alex Norn, Ben Griffin, Chris Kirk, really interesting start. Who's next. Yeah. I would have loved to have had JT Post in here. Um, I would have considered Thomas Dietrich. Like there's, there's a lot of routes of players that are off the board. Cameron Davis, obviously, um, I think it's an it's an interesting thing because even like Joel was in this predicament just one second ago of how he wanted to round out this build. And I think I'm going to go a little bit differently with it. So I'm going to start with, you know what? So there were two players last week in my model that after Thursday were the two largest underachievers that I had. So that's just taking their baseline putting statistics with the ball striking that they put together. One ended up making the cut. One didn't make the cut. I'm going to take both of them here. I'm going to take Steven Yeager at 8,900 now. The putter's always bad. I understand that. I have some reasons to believe inside my model that this might be a good fit for him with this green texture. He sees an upside. And I think if like 
you always look at players of Jaeger's skill set when they put this together. The ball striking's good. The ball striking's good. The ball striking's good. As soon as the putter's good, they win a golf tournament. And that's what we're waiting on right now is one week that the putter can be good. The second player is going to be a very similar answer to the Cameron Davis response of earlier. I just think for a lot cheaper, that's going to be Taylor Pendrith for me. My model thing seems to think he's better in these club down spots. I know markets don't necessarily love Pendrith this week, but top 15 of my model in pretty much every iteration of how I ran it. I don't think that that miscut last week is quite indicative of how well he played. I think it might be a really nice buy low spot for him where the stats are actually better than the performances have been. So a couple things here. Uh, Pendrith is so interesting because I liked him a lot last week. I played a lot of him and Keith Mitchell last week, which I don't think were like super popular players. Obviously, Keith Mitchell ended up paying off kind of for all the wrong reasons. I don't know. I didn't really like how he got it done last week. But Pendrith is one of those guys like I've kind of made a commitment for myself that if I'm on somebody and they miss the cut like the next week, unless the course is drastically different. And this is a different course. It's certainly shorter. Um, I'm probably going to go back to him. So I'm going to have some shares of Pendrith, even though I, I think it's potentially crash and burn season. The thing about Jaeger that I love, and Joel, we'll get to your pick in a second. And Sticks, I'm going to ask you about Jaeger because, yeah, the putter's not good long term. But if you look at the last seven tournaments, he's gained with the putter in five of the seven, which to me, when I see stuff like that, and some of them are like somewhat significant gains, like over two with the putter, over two with the putter, over three with the putter. Granted, there's one where he loses 7.36 with the putter and one where he loses three and a half strokes with the putter. So, yeah, like that's definitely there. That's in the range of outcomes. But to me, if you've, if, if you've gained in five out of seven with the putter, I think maybe you maybe have figured something out. And the ball striking is definitely there for Jaeger, as, as it always is. So, Nick, I think you're kind of a Jaeger guy, right? Like, how are you feeling about the putter and his chances at this tournament? Oh, dude, uh, my, my lineup is in shambles. I love Jaeger. That was my next guy, awesome. the German hammer. So, yeah, I, I love the pick. I think everything Spencer said, I would echo. I literally wrote down damn near every word that he said. I probably spent too much time with him that I know what he was going to say. But I was hoping he uh, he fell one more round. Uh, I love the pick. I think at 8,900, it's a really good spot for a guy that's consistently striking the ball extremely well. You hope the putter gets there a little bit, and he's got winning upside. Like Spencer said, for 8,900, that's a no-brainer for me. Going to end up giving out my own card because one of my five uh, outrights is, in fact, Steven Yeager. I think at 45 to 1, if memory serves. So, uh, Joel, real quick, in or out on Yeager, in or out on Pendrith, and then go ahead and make your fifth-round pick. I'm, I'm with them. I'm very high on Yeager as well. I like Yeager a lot this week. The price tag, the ball striking. Um, Pendrith, I like not as high as Jaeger, but he, he's someone that would maybe be toward the bottom of my player pool. All right, Joel, you've got uh two more picks to make, but we're gonna hear one of them right now. So, I'm between two different routes. There's a pairing I can afford one way, and I gotta go over a cheaper guy the other way. Um, and it's a tough one, but I'm gonna go with yeah, I'm gonna go with Benny Ann here. And the main reason for it being, uh, I'll just say it now because I'm not going to take them. It was between Benny Ann and, and Aaron Rye. I really like Aaron Rye, but the guy I want to take next, I can't afford if I take Aaron Rye. So Benny Ann I had to go with because I had him. But Benny Ann's been playing really well. I mean, his last two two tournaments, um, he's made putts, and that's what matters. And if he's making putts, his ball striking, his birdie, his ability to get birdies, that's what translates in a tournament like this. So. I think he certainly has some upside, and he also has some scoring upside in that he can get a lot of birdies and get them in bunches, which you get those points in your lineup goes a long way. Yeah, I don't have a problem with Benny Ann. I don't know how much I'm going to end up playing with it, playing him, but I, I don't have a problem with him. And his history here is pretty good too. His form seems to be pretty good. Uh, Nick, we're going to go yes or no on Benny Ann. Indifferent. I like it. Uh, I think it's okay for the rest of his build. Makes a lot of sense. It's very balanced. I think that's. It's a perfect spot. It's a guy that can get hot and make a lot of birdies. All right, Nick, we got another pick to go, but Spencer, real quick, yes or no on Benny Ann? I think where Joel was with his lineup, I, I like the pick. Okay, so that to me, that sounds like you're not playing Benny Ann, though. I, I, I don't know. I'm kind of indifferent also. Like, he's a neutral value. I, I think he's intriguing because he's sub 10% and the form looks really good. Uh, he was, he's not a person that I am removing from my player pool and saying like just immediately and saying that I don't think that he has upside. This could work out for him. And I think this is a good course fit for him. All right, Nick, it is on you. You've got 
Hideki, you got Dietrich, Siwoo Kim, Brendan Todd, and who is next? It's going to be gross, boys. <sighs> Give me Justin Thomas. Wow. You know what's funny about Justin Thomas, Nick? I, I just saw his name and I'm like, he's 10% owned, like trending to 11, yep. which isn't high. It's not that's that is not high by any means. Like every single person around him is higher than that. But the, like the shock of me, like thinking, well, 10% of people are still on Justin Thomas. And I just, I'm just shocked by that. But maybe I shouldn't be. Tell us why I should not be shocked by that. I mean, he struck the ball really well in round one. Uh, last week i know that's kind of a mixed bag and for 9100 you probably want a lot more safety but everything i put on bermuda is by far his best surface southeast you know kind of where he's from so i'm i'm just going to ride the winning upside the low ownership that my lineup is kind of dictating after taking brendan todd hideki and siwu yeah, i'm taking guys outside of brendan todd that can win this tournament so i'm gonna go with justin thomas he needs the fedex cup points I know that doesn't translate to making a lot of birdies, but I need the upside. And Spencer really killed me with uh, with Jaeger because that was kind of the price range that I had left was 88 to 92. So I'm going to go with the best player in my numbers at 9,100 and Justin Thomas. You know, we've had a lot of good stories uh, this year, like on the PGA Tour, like really good stories. Like, I mean, there's so many that come to mind. For some reason, Nick Taylor was like the first that came to mind, like over at the RBC Canadian. He won that, right? Am I, am I missing something? Yes, yeah, sir. So, yeah, that was great. But like, we're, like we, there's been plenty of good stories, but like the Justin Thomas comeback story, if he were to win this tournament, like, and of course qualify for the FedEx Cup playoffs, but like just to even win a tournament for Justin Thomas would be like an amazing feat given like the state of his game over the last, I don't know, year. Uh, but especially the last few months, yeah, that would be really cool. I'd love to see it. Guy, I'm, not, I'm not rostering him, but I'd love to see it. The guy has missed one cut on a Bermuda event. So if for whatever that's worth, I hope he finds some some uh, similarities to back home here for JT. So I'm going to take him. All right. Well, speaking of Bermuda, it looks like the chat may have nominated Dylan Wu. And I only bring up the the grass style because dylan Wu gained 11 strokes over 11 strokes putting last week like that's insane like but in his defense he gained ball striking too so it wasn't like all putter but it was pretty much all putter so is dylan Wu one of our two guys did, did we decide that um if so can we put in doug gim and be and before we do more nominations what how much do we have left i'm mean, not doug gim excuse me uh dylan Wu. Uh, how much do we have left? 8,300. 8,300. Somebody mentioned Smalley. I really like Smalley. Can, is that one? Like, I think we should go ahead and go with, so we have 8,300 left. We can afford Smalley. I see Eric Cole in here. Let's go Smalley. I, I get a vote in this too. So he's 8,100, right? So we can afford Alex Smalley? Yes. I, I'm not sure what's not to like about Alex Smalley. Ball striking's there. Putters, you know, can be up and down. He's a member here. Uh, 13th and 29th, the only two times he's played here. Uh, I, I think he, again, he's another guy that's on that that outright card. Um, by the way, at Wind Daily Sports Discord, I'm not only putting outrights, my matchups, all of that stuff too, top 30s, top 40s, all that stuff. But uh, yeah, I like Smalley a lot. Uh, so it sounds like some of the chat likes Smalley. Uh, Dave is good with Smalley. Gust card is good with Smalley. Nick, are you good with Smalley? Absolutely, yeah. Joel, yes or no? Yes. All right. And North Carolina Spencer? boy. Yeah, I, I've always given this answer with Smalley. I think anytime that he gets a par 70 and you remove some of that, you get a reduction in par 5 scoring. I think his upside increases. I think this is, for obvious reasons of this being a hometown fit for him, I think it's also a good course fit for him. Yeah, I absolutely love it. I like our team. I think this is a really solid team, actually. Um, I think if you don't like, if you wanted to, if you wanted to steal this lineup and just put it in as one of your lineups, I have no problem with it. And honestly, like if you, for, if for some reason you don't like Dylan Wu, um, there's not a lot of good like 6,900 options, but there's there's some. And so you could swap him out or like there's a lot you can do with this lineup if you don't like one or two guys. But I love this lineup. Uh, Nick, who is your last pick? You just drafted Justin Thomas. Who's the last one in? Give me Robbie Shelton. Wow. That I did not see. Did you only have a certain amount left? What did you have? 6,300? Is that what I just saw? Yeah, it, it, it was him or Tano, Tano Goya, but Robbie Shelton – if I use a very small sample size, peaked a little bit with the iron play the first time that he's gained strokes approach significantly since he was on that hot run there uh, at Pebble Beach, Farmers, all that. So I'm going with Robbie Shelton. Wow. Okay. Um, in that range, that 6,300 range, I, just in case anybody's ever down there, I think Scott Pierce is probably in play. Uh, Jim Herman, uh, Richie Warinsky, uh, has has a good history here. 
Um, but I, I'm not going to go in that range, but I just wanted to throw those names out because I think they're decent if you have to go down there. Joel, you have to go kind of low here. Who's your last guy in? All right. So as I said on my last pick, I took Benny on because I wanted to be able to afford this guy. I've mentioned this guy a lot. You all know I like him. If he's going to come off a top 15 finish, I'm surely going back after him. It's Callum Tarrant. Uh, he gained a lot of strokes putting last week, and that's his big handicap. He's not a great putter. If he has found something with that putter, his ball striking has been very pretty good. Um, I think he can have another really good result if he's making putts this week. So, um, a guy for a guy under 7k, I think there's plenty of upside here with Taryn. Yeah, and he finished really well here last year, uh, 27th last year in his only appearance. I mean, that that is somewhat telling to me. Um, I'll say since we uh, since I'm not giving anything away here, um, other guys I like, and I'm talking about our team too, instead of Dylan Wu. I, not all this is interesting, but I think Peter Quest and Carson Young are also really interesting. So it's just a couple of guys to point out if you're flirting with that upper 6K range, which I'm not going to be. Most of my lineups are not going to include a 6K guy, but I just wanted to throw that out there. All right, Spencer. Note, yeah, Go ahead. Real quick. Yeah. I was, if I did take Rye, I was going to take Quest on the, with the other pick. So I agree. Okay. Love it. Absolutely love it. All right, before we get to our first round leaders, which is what we do to close the show, Spencer, we need to close the show with your final pick. This is not the route that I was planning to go, and and it feels like I end up with Sung JM every single show that we do for one reason or another, but I, I have the money to afford him, the course history, four top 24 finishes. I know he's kind of been hit and miss recently, but I mean, I can't find anybody left on the board that I think has more win equity than he would. I mean, I guess you could make an argument that I could leave a bunch on and take Sam Burns maybe, but um, with Hideki and Henley both gone, I, I guess it's just natural for me to go to Sungjae here. Yeah, that's interesting. So it's interesting you brought up Sam Burns specifically. So instead of doing the, like, and we'll pull, you know what, we can go ahead and pull down the board now. Everybody take a look at this. We'll tweet it out. So if you want to, um, you know, submit some of these lineups, you're you're certainly more than welcome uh, to do that. But Spencer, you brought up something really interesting. So before we get to the first round leaders, Joel, I, I wanted to ask, Joel, I'm going to ask you this and I'm going to ask uh, Nick next. I think I like Sam Burns better than Sung JM. Like, let's just like take the price out of it. I, and I think Sam Burns is one of those guys you can consider like kind of a club down guy, keeps, tries to keep it in the fairway. And then the approach and the putter we know can get hot with Sam Burns. I think he's one of those guys that like at the ownership that I'm looking at doesn't seem super high. But then again, it's about the same as Sung Jay with Russell and, and Hideki being higher than both of those guys. If I just told you, forget about price, forget about ownership, because ownership's the same anyway. Sam Burns or Sung Jay M, you have to roster one of them. Who's it going to be? Joel, I'll start with you. It's a tough one. Ooh. Uh, it's very close. I'm going to take Sung Jay, but very close. Yeah, I mean, Sungjae certainly has the history. So I kind of get if it's close going going over to Sungjae. My, my answer, Nick, is Sam Burns. What's your answer? Sam Burns, almost the same reason I like Cam Davis on these club down spots. I think that's a great spot for uh, Sam Burns and the best putter in the field. All right. Well, that answers that. If you have any other questions, let us know in the chat. Uh, but we got some first round leaders to take care of, right, Joel? We do. We do. We're not done yet. This week, especially, I feel like the fun first round leader is going to be super fun. You can get some good numbers. So we'll start with you this week, Spence. Who are you looking at in the first round leader market? Well, I'll suck some of the fun out of it since I only have one pick to give on this show right now. But uh, I will say Steven Yeager at 55 to 1. I like it. I like it. How about you, Six? Do you have any first round leaders for us? I have two. Can I name two or do I pick one? You can name as many as you'd like. I'll go Cam Davis, 55, and Shane Lowry, 55. You know what? It would be, I would like your team if you had drafted those guys on it because that, that looks like a good posture. I was trying to do. Um, all right. I got a couple. I got a couple this week. I'm going to start with Alex Noring at 65 to one, um, Harris English at 60 to one. I have two more that now I saw Billy Horschel at 60 to one. And my last first-round leader play, a little bit more of a favorite, who I think can pop this week at 45-1 to 1 is Denny McCarthy. Mm -hmm. All right, see ya. Enlighten us. 
All right. So I've got a couple afternoon guys uh, splashed in here, but it's mostly morning. And, and I have six, which is a lot, but three of them are 80 to one. So like it's complete sprinkle season on, on those those 80 to one guys and three that I kind of believe in a little bit more. Uh, two of the three are morning guys. OK, so I'll start with the long shots, actually. Nikolai Hoygaard at 80 to one. Uh, another guy like I think he's kind of in that Dietry mold where uh, inaccurate traditionally. But if he clubs down like the approach and the putter have looked really good with him. I noticed he's, and Nick mentioned this early in the show, uh, he's picking up a lot more popularity than, than I would have thought. I mean, way more than I would have thought. So just be careful there from a DFS standpoint. 80 to 1, uh, first round leader for Nikolai Hoygaard. I'll go right back to Doug Gim, who we thought was, I mean, I was big on him last week. We thought he was going to miss the cut on Thursday, and then he shoots 8 under on Friday. And that's the exact type of guy I'm looking for. If he finds the putter, we know the ball striking is, is usually there. Adam Shank is, is an 80 to 1 outright, but he's also an 80 to 1 first round leader. Again, the history isn't good here for him, but I just think he's on a different playing field. And if the game is on, like he's going to hunt down birdies. That's just his game when his game is on. So those are the three 80 to ones, Gim, Hoygaard, and Shank. And now the three kind of like lower shots here, Sam Burns at 40 to one. He's a morning tea time. Alex Smalley's afternoon, I believe he's 55 to one. So I'm going to throw him in there because I'm just feeling the Alex Smalley vibes and I'm looking at the metrics and it just all looks good to me. And I don't think I do think there's probably going to be a DFS advantage. Um, I, we were talking to David Bielski about this. AM, PM, AM Thursday, um, PM Friday might have an advantage. But as far as Thursday itself, I don't think it's a huge advantage, at least not right now, uh, morning, afternoon. I know I almost never take afternoon guys, but th in this case with Smalley, I'm going to go ahead and take at least one afternoon guy. But your easy button first round leader play. Sorry, I'm talking so much. Your easy button first round leader play. The one that you want to mortgage all of your homes, borrow money from your friends, your parents, say it's for different reasons, you know, like more like have a false pre pretense because you're going to be able to pay them back 55 fold once this hits. Spencer and me, we're on the same team here. Jaeger bombs. It's Steven Jaeger. St it's Tuesday. It's Tuesday night on Thursday evening. Your first round leader. I'm not predicting the future. I am telling you the future. Your first round leader at the Wyndham Championship 2023. It's none other than Steven Yeager, 55 to 1. You're welcome, everybody. When Thursday ends and Steven Yeager is the first leader, as we know he will be. Yes, obviously. We all will come together, get back on a Zoom, and all do a Yeager bomb as a group. That's what's going to happen Thursday night. So we'll see you uh, then. We'll never we'll do that. Count our cash. You don't like Jaeger bombs? They're delicious. No, I like. I'll drink damn near everything. I will never drink Jaeger again. You couldn't pay me. Yeah, but when you drop it into the Red Bull, it doesn't actually taste like Jaeger. But, Just but, won't, it, won't but, ever do but, it. Bad memory. What if you mortgage your home, put all Not the money in the first round leader, and that hits? Then will you do a Jaeger bomb? No. Oh, oh come on. Like, before the chat uh, leaves us, we we got a little bit of time here. Oh, David's in the chat. Hi, David. Um. Okay, so Nick Nick just brought up something. In the chat, I want you to, to type in, let us know what is the alcohol that you just will never touch because of a bad experience. I think for me, it's gin. Um, Ooh. Like Rumpelmitz Gold Rush is another thing that I that I had a bad experience with. Um, Gold Rush is like the, the, the broke version of, of Rumpelmitz. But the point is, I think I'm going to go with gin. So if you're in the chat and you have an aversion <sighs> to a particular liquor or shot, Type it into the chat. I'm just really curious where the answers are. And while I'm waiting for those answers, well, we Jen, got Nick's answer, I've... I think. Spencer, do, do you drink? I mean, Joel, do you drink? I don't even know if you guys drink. But Spencer, I'm going to start with you. Is there an alcohol that you're averse to? I don't drink. Okay, well, that answers that. So all of them. Joel, is there some, a bad experience with? This is a true story. Yeah, my one bad, really bad experience was actually Jägermeister. Um, and I had, didn't drink it for a very long time, but I've come out of it. That was in college, and now I'm, I, I'll have it. I don't go to it often, but I can drink it. So, so can okay, I talk real, about gin real quick? All right, yeah, you go, go ahead. You go ahead. No, 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 just, no, no, no. You guys, you guys got to try. So I'm not a gin guy either. You need to try long drink. It is like the new seltzer blowing up the world. It is a gin seltzer. It is absolutely fantastic. 10 out of 10 would recommend. So just real quick, just so I'm clear on this, like Jaeger is like, it's like a black licorice taste, right? I mean, it, like we all agree, agree with that, right? Yeah, it comes out that, that way too. I find black licorice like absolutely gross. But for some reason, yeah. when I get like a chilled Jaeger, I'm like totally cool with it. I don't, I don't know why. And by the way, we've got, well, Brent, I don't know what SKU is. Should I know what SKU is? What's SKU? Anybody? Hmm. 
I don't know what it's okay. So gin from Dave, tequila from Wayne McCoy the second. Um, I get the tequila thing. I like tequila now though. I'll drink tequila on ice. I just think it's delicious. Yes. Um, Bud yes. Ice from Edward Gale. Yeah, we've all been there. Bud Ice. Bud Ice. <laughs> it's been a while, but we've been there. Sambuca, Sky Vodka. Oh, so he's going brand. Brent. Wow. You must you must have uh you must have a, like shares of a different vodka of like Diddy's vodka or something. Jaeger bombs are not delicious, says Zach. Gin for Dave, already mentioned that. Sambuca. All right, I, I, we got a lot of answers. All right. Apparently Brent. Ricky Fowler is a co-owner of this long drink as well. So you guys got to try it. All right, real quick, uh, your hat. Somebody complimented it. What is that hat? Is that something I should know? What is that? You've never, yeah, you've uh, never seen the movie? Yes, that, okay, I just get it. I just got it. I'm sorry, I wasn't, able to, I wasn't able to see like, okay, I got you. Well, I see it. Were you lost the whole time in the chat? Everyone's been referencing. The <laughs> they movie. were putting, yeah, they were making no. movie quotes. So I was dying laughing this whole No, show. I knew that. Yeah, no, I knew those were those the quotes for that movie. But I like at first I didn't. So, yeah, I, I, I got it. I got it. Like when I was reading it off, I was like, oh, OK, the, these are these are the references. OK, so <laughs> DT's all freak, Dave's freaking out. It's like, see it. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So we learned a little bit of something uh, today. Joel, I think I, I, that's got to be it. I mean, should we wrap? I don't, I don't know. That's a wrap for today. Hey, Stitch, big thank you for coming on the DraftCast. was a pleasure drafting with you tonight. Well, everyone, give us the like button. Give us a follow. We're going to post these rosters on Twitter tomorrow. We're going to find out who you think is going to win. We're going to crown the winner next week. Anything I'm missing, Sia? Um, we're missing Spilardi's answer, Sicily Kid, ownership article out tomorrow. He says Boone's Farm Strawberry Fields decades ago. Like, correct me if I'm wrong, but that's that's like the box wine, right? I think so. I'm, it's like eight dollar box wine. That can't yeah, be good. That's hilarious, man. I like that brings uh back the college days. Like all the girls were drinking uh, Boone's Farm from what I from what I remember. Um I think that's it. Sticks, thanks for coming on to the show. Better golf yeah, pod, you guys are recording guys. tomorrow. Normally you record tonight, but you're recording tomorrow, correct? Correct. And and Sticks uh, got a hole in one today, and we brought him on the show. So uh, keep that in mind when you're making your lineups. Like if you watch this show, I think uh, something good might happen in uh, in DFS. So when it does, you tweet at us and let us know, and hopefully we helped. Oh, and there's one more thing I totally forgot, Joel. I forgot. This is embarrassing. Sports. <laughs>